0: No. no. Five, six, five, okay, ready? Six, Let's go. Six, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. Hi, this hey. is for the girls podcast. Hi, hi, I'm Nick Westray. I'm Jason Black. This, this is a Diva
1: Stan podcast. I beat you.
0: You did. You cut me right off. This is a Stan podcast where the LGBTs and Qs come to worship their queens. We come to uh, celebrate and review and contextualize the work of fabulous women through a queer frame
1: yeah sometimes it's just a nick and i uh doing all the celebrating and uh fanning out and then sometimes we have a illustrious guest on to tell us what it's all about
0: exactly who is this podcast for jason
1: um this podcast is for traveling through
0: this is a podcast for divas who shit in a five pound bucket
1: This is a podcast for the movies going to them.
0: This is a podcast for ladies driving golf carts.
1: Um, this is a podcast for. That's all I have. That's all I have. I did too. I did too. This is a podcast for
0: brand new female auteurs. Ooh, Ooh.
2: Ooh. who do we have? Who do we have? Who do we have? Who do we have? Who Who is it? It's Chris (gasps) File. I'm a female auteur. No one told me
3: yes.
2: <laughs> that before I got up this morning. Oh, straight from for seeing you down the road. Yeah. Ooh, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're
1: always going to see someone down the road again. Yes. Again. Mm. Um, Chris, this is uh, we've come full circle. Chris uh, is co-host of the amazing podcast. This is Oscar buzz, which I was just fangirling out saying that I've been there since the beginning. Haven't, mm-hmm. haven't missed a spot yet. They do a weekly podcast. It's You know what's so funny, Chris, is um, I thought I was the only gay boy in the whole wide world that related to Entertainment Weekly as their childhood Bible from the 90s and the aughts. But listening to your podcast, I've realized that I am just a small fish in a very large sea of <laughs> uh, that being everyone's... every Because Chris and Joe, who we had on for our The Hours episode, uh, will ask... They'll have guests sometimes. And they'll ask guests, how did you get your Oscar thing going? And it's so much of that origin, right? Entertainment oh, the, Weekly?
2: Entertainment Weekly, The Hours, of course. Um, my close friend and nemesis, Joe Reed, had to beat me to talking about The Hours. Um, uh, yes, I mean, we... Uh, I don't know if we've ever really had this conversation on mic on our show, um, but we always talk about how we feel like we are a niche show like we're uh the show the had oscar buzz we don't talk about movies that were nominated anything we talk about had zero nominations but were in the conversation mostly by people who obsess over the oscars like um uh We just, our next episode that we're about to launch is Carlito's Way. We talked about All the King's Men. We've talked about things like Mona Lisa's Smile. You know, movies that are expected Mm -hmm. to land with Oscar, and they land with a splat instead, um, with zero nominations. So it's, it's like, it's kind of a show about being someone who's obsessed with the Oscars, and we'll see. Terrible movies, or sometimes like movies that should have deserved better. You know, it's hard to kind of put us in a box, but that's what we are. <laughs> You covered a movie that I
0: thought should have had a lot more Oscars called Ricky and the Flash. Why didn't that happen?
2: I know it might have had it might have deserved an Oscar for someone uh, named uh, Nicholas Westrate.
0: Um, oh my god, thank you so much! I'm completely honored by that.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that's wild. I hope uh, that was a good experience for you. Um, if you listen to that episode, it was okay. Good. Okay, it but let me do experience. my plug
1: because we will be talking more about all things Chris and all things of this. They also did a whole mini mini series a whole
2: month on naomi watts we do a mini series oh. every may yeah it was naomi watts last year we'll be announcing very very soon if we haven't already by the time this episode airs what this year will be it's probably oh, the next mm. one we've ever done
1: um well i thought that naomi watts was everything yeah that was fun i thought that naomi watts was so fun um but but listen we're gonna be taking him over to the patreon to be talking about some mm-hmm. of those divas mm-hmm. uh from his shows and some of the dvc wishes to cover or wants to cover i know claire danes <laughs> is in like the seven something club on your uh
2: podcast rate right? keeping track of this but claire danes very quickly and suddenly and without any plan on our part became our most covered actress. Um, and now it's just kind of like no one can take her crown. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we've talked a lot of Claire James. <laughs>
1: okay, but listen, we're going to stop right there because if you aren't uh, subscribed, we'll it. be a member to our Patreon, that's what we're going to get right. into right now. But that's not what we're going to get into today. And let's, let's bring us back to some origins of inviting Chris on to trying to get onto this podcast because this has been in the works for a couple of months now. And Chris, I'm obsessed with uh, your first idea for what you wanted to <laughs> absolutely just gossip about, just giggle and goss about, which was a little delightful <laughs> movie ca- called The Piano Teacher.
0: <laughs> Listen, okay, so
2: yes. Yes, Queen, piano teacher, Razor Blades, yes. Um, I mean, true. Joy, joy. I mean, I mean, Isabella Pair is the finest living actress, period. No rivalry. And it's like, you could talk about other performances of hers, but like, that is the one. It's like the performance of the century. And also, like, I'm probably one of those more morbid people that like, I've definitely posted a screen cap of her stabbing herself in the chest when it's like, good news. Like, I probably posted that picture when it was the announcement of Ammonite that Sir Ronan and Kate Winslet would be in a movie. Like, yes, stab me. Um, <laughs> but also, like, I do genuinely love her in an unironic sense, too. She's like been my guide through quarantine. Um, and that movie's just like the one for her and we were
0: like and we were like no you can't talk about your number one diva because that's gonna be too depressing <laughs> well well, Nick Nick calls me and he's like I don't think we could do the clips
1: none of it's in English and I was like yeah babe not the clips but also whoo that's dark that is dark <laughs> this, is, this is a
2: welcome into my brain where it's like a lot of the things that soothe me are just like I, I, I tell somebody that they soothe me and they look at me like they need to immediately take me to a hospital. Um, <laughs> something's not right. Oh, God. But then but then we decided
0: we were like, okay, wait, here we go. Chloe Zhao, Fran McDormand together with Nomadland. And before any of us had seen it or talked about it, we
2: were like, this, we will all love it. It will bring us joy and we should do it <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, like, Chloe's rise this year has been genuinely exciting. And like, you know, it's... Part of me is, like, a little bit, uh, because there is some, there's a lot of different opinions about Nomadland, and I think that's almost more exciting, that it's a filmmaker who uh, people can engage with on a lot of different levels, having a real moment right now, and not just, like, we all resign ourselves to that, like, this is a new genius, you know, but people are actively engaging with the work, rather than, you know, like, Checking out, and you know, I think, I, I think she's really exciting.
1: I resigned myself. I resigned myself to when Nick was like, We're gonna talk about Nomad Land months before we even seen it. I was like, Oh no, we are. We will. Oh, we will. I <laughs> know oh, we will. We have to.
0: You've been, you're, you're an OG, Chloe Stan. You've been, not, you were the one, you were like, If when you saw the writer, you were like, You have to get to the theater immediately. Mm-hmm.
2: You ordered it. So, me.
1: not OG because she, I did just actually see her first film yesterday songs my brother taught me. Uh, so very I, I,
2: good
1: movie oh beautiful but the writer was a, one of those rare romas the other one probably for me religious experiences that i had in the theater um when i knew the movie was ending i i physically arched my back let out a howl and then just flopped forward and started weeping in this very tiny theater so I was really putting on a show for this beautiful, sensitive film. Um, That's and- almost an Isabella
0: bear move right there.
1: Yeah, I stabbed yeah. myself and <laughs> I put glass in my pockets. I put them in my hands and I was like, I can't wait to talk about this on For the Girls. Um <laughs> I-
2: or you know you're just planting handbags for people to find, and then when they show up, you weep. That's yeah. what it
1: is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So I saw the writer, and it it just it was it 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 trans it transformed me. And I I I I, well, I did resign myself. I was like, I'm committed to anywhere you want to take me, uh, and mm-hmm. even if it's preemptive, if, if I'm gonna have to fan out about a movie I haven't seen, I am I am absolutely there. But it was really presumptuous of us. Huh, babe.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, on this podcast, if you're new, if you're just listening because Chris is on, welcome. But um, on this podcast, we we try to stay focused on things we love because there's so much space. If you want to find uh, gay uh, men talking about things they hate, welcome to the Internet. But <laughs> we like to just focus on things that we love. So, yeah, it was presumptuous of us to like program this and then not, not talk about it. We're literally talking about it like four days before this episode happened. So we could have really been shooting ourselves in the foot, but I knew I was going to love it. I did love it. I've seen it twice and news alert Jay and I are both vaxxed and both saw it in a movie theater. It was our first movie back. What was that like? Beautiful, extraordinary, transcendent, amazing. I was in there with like four other old ladies in New York City on the Upper West Side, just like how I like to see my movies at like two o'clock in the afternoon. It was so beautiful. I wept and wept and wept, just crying amongst our people.
2: That's exactly. What I like to see my movies too. I uh, I could have done an episode on matinee ladies. Like I I stand them over anything else, mm. especially when they don't know the title of the movie. <laughs> I
1: I had a mixed experience seeing it because well well because of my full blown uh, Isabella uh, reaction to the writer. Uh, of openly weeping I, and also not being in a public space in a year and then being in a dark enclosed space mm. with, you know, with my elderly brethren. Um, I found myself like, I was actually, I've seen it twice. So I saw it in the theaters and then I watch it again. And But I actually wasn't breathing for like the first hour just because I think like it was, everything was so big. And so like there were so many things happening at once. And then mm-hmm. on top of it I'm watching in a movie of expansion. I'm literally watching, you know, travel, huge open spaces. Open spaces and I have not been in open spaces. I've been in very closed spaces. So mm-hmm. I was just like, "Oh, the world looks like this? Does it? Does it?" Oh. Is this a simulation? <laughs> and then, and then, of course, and I got a little nervous. So again, my first time not being out, but I definitely had that couple uh, behind me who were ha- were having their snacks and their questions being asked and answered back and forth. Mm. And thankfully, it stopped. But for a while, it was like, "What's her van called again?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. How did you see it, Chris? What was your viewing experience like?
2: Um, I first was lucky enough to see it during um, TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, which was virtual, um, at least in, unless you were Canadian. Um, they got to actually see it in person, so it's like I it was deep in the time of great. Every movie I watch is on a computer screen, and it still felt transportive even though I'm obvious I didn't see it in a theater, but it I was also saw it at a very particular time of quarantine where I was like really getting into the sense of like, what does it mean to be alone or mostly alone? Mm. So I feel like that really shadowed my viewing of it to where I'm like, no, it's not about anything other than sometimes people need to be alone. Um, mm-hmm. And like, uh, that That is what moved me and continues to move me about the movie, that it's like it's uh, personal journeys that you can only have on your own or with like a limited set of people. Because it struck I me that. so much sure. this
0: last time seeing it as how much it's just about Fern's journey into herself. Mm hmm. And finding herself after losing losing everything, losing yeah. her identity, losing her love of her life, losing her literal spot on the globe is erased. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's so powerful. I'm someone who evangelizes uh I
1: being alone. Like I love and I know that we <laughs> I know that we've just we're coming out of a year of that, but I was very much from the go being like, watch this, I got this, like I I'm an expert at knowing how to do Nick Hall right away. And he was like, he's like, oh, I, I think Nick's partner was like, is Jay going to be okay? And Nick was like, are you kidding me? He was made
2: for
0: this. <laughs> this
2: uh. fully prepared. So I'm, I'm pretty extroverted. I can be a really like guarded extrovert, but I am like, I definitely had a hard time not seeing anyone other than my partner in our studio. So, like, I very much was, like, on Fern's journey of, like, you know, not having, or, like, trying to find a sense of community in these really um, unique circumstances, I guess. So, like, that I really honed Mm. into in the movie.
1: And, like, the whole thing is that she isn't alone. Mm -hmm. You know, she isn't actually alone, but she does make a a choice to to have a certain amount of isolation. And to me, it was this movie was all about choice Mm -hmm. and what 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 absolutely works best for you. And a lot of that time is we feel like we have a very limited choice with within the bounds of society that we live in, you know, and and that would make sense for our family, for our friends, Uh, easily justifiable, not embarrassing. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so far, so, so, and I feel like I'm always having to justify doing X, Y, and Z alone. And then watching people kind of try to hold back a frown from how sad that sounds. (laughs) And, and then I always have to get into being like, no, it was wonderful. It was fabulous. Like, I, I have the best time with myself. And so watching this, I was like, I see you, Fern. Oh, here's my first. (laughs) So, okay. So. So we're all in varying degrees. But if we were to have a van, like Fern's Van Gogh, which is the name in Nomadland, what would your van name be?
0: Vanguard. Her name is Vanguard. Oh,
2: Oh,
1: whatever. Whatever.
2: What's Van Gogh? Whatever. Van Gogh. Whatever. (laughs) Same fucking thing. Pokemon Van Gogh to the polls. (laughs) (laughs) What would our
0: van be called? Oh, that's... Is a good question.
2: Damn.
0: Oh, I mean, I do. Okay, I'll start because I do name all of my cars after divas. My first car was named Mona after Bette Midler's character in the film Drowning Mona. Amazing. My second car was named Elaine after Elaine Stritch. Exceptional. And then now my current car is named Little Edie Falco, which is a mix of Little Edie bill and Edie Falco. <laughs> so get out of town. That's if I had a I guess if I had a van, I would name it after another diva and it would, I guess. Oh, and because I'm reading her autobiography right now, I'm going to name it Shelly Winters. (laughs) There you go. What
2: about you, Chris? Oh, man, I feel like it would have to be some type of pun, but I am struggling for a van pun, not like Rip Van Winkle. I'm not a huge housewives person, so it wouldn't be Lisa Vanderpump. Van uh, Vandra? Oh, it could be Vanji. I would maybe I would name it Vanji. Oh, Vanji
0: Oh, Miss Vanji yeah. oh, is yes. a great name for uh, a Miss Vanjie. Yeah,
2: yeah. It only what drives about- backwards. <laughs> 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 yes, there it
0: is. There
2: it is.
1: Oh, <laughs> here comes that girl coming in backwards into our little bonfire again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Shit! It only goes in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> it's really loud too. What's your van name, Jay?
1: Well, I, I, I've been naming all of my cars since I lived in LA after um, 90210 characters. So my first car was Dylan. This car is Brenda. And I'm pretty sure I've decided, because I'm going to have to get a new car here soon. It's going to be Kelly. Um, Mm. But I don't know if I, and and, so it could be Kelly. And I have a girlfriend who had a van and her van. um, I tried to get her to uh, name it Alicia Moore pinks pinks um government name and in fact i would <laughs> and in fact i would still call it, but she but she was not about it and she named it shavann um so
0: <laughs> shavann I... is good
1: shavann is good but so but so then i might have to just reclaim alicia Moore. <laughs>
0: I... shavanna guthrie would also be good
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> Stop, babe. All right, and we're done. <laughs> Goodbye. That was it. Goodbye. That was our
2: Land episode. <laughs> that was our, our Nomad episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looping back. I came up with my pun. It would be Savantha Jones. <laughs> Samantha, Samantha Jones. Jones. I came oh, up that with my pun. That is good. I like eventually. Miss
0: Vanjie. I'm sticking with Miss Vanjie. Only if it only drives in
2: reverse. Yeah.
0: It's really loud and goes in reverse.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: okay. So back to Chloe Zhao. I'm obsessed with, and since we have an actual film critic and film historian on our podcast, um, Chloe Zhao is one of the like nine people ever to be nominated for director, writer, editor, and what else did she do? She did craft services.
2: <laughs> I think she's credited as a producer. There's a chance for her to win like four Oscars. Did
1: she produce? I think maybe she didn't produce.
2: It's amazing.
1: No Madland, but I'm not. Fran
2: definitely produced it because Fran could still get a third Oscar, even if she doesn't win for best actress. We don't have to get into that, but she- I know Fran at least produced it. Oh, we're going to get into it. Are you kidding? <laughs> yes. Yes. Chloe is credited as a um, producer on the movie.
0: Oh, I'm. Oh, okay. I just love her being yeah. in this. Oh, good. So she can win picture too. I just love that she's up there on her first time at the Oscars in with all of these like, huge auteurs who have done all this shit before. She, and she's so unbothered by it. It's like the most beautiful presence in all these terrible Zoom award ceremonies. She has this kind of... Just gorgeous, real, authentic, um, pure presence that I'm obsessed with.
2: Well, you can tell that she appreciates it um, and appreciates that people are responding to the movie and that the movie is very passionate to her. But it feels very unvarnished to a lot of the like Hollywood bullshit. Like whenever you've seen her give these acceptance speeches, it doesn't feel like canned. It doesn't feel like she's. Uh, producing for lack of a better word you know it just always feels very genuine and uh like uh humble but like we know the type of uh movies she's produced so we know like she's also a genius yeah mm-hmm. she
1: what she spent five months on nomadland filming or yeah, filming I mean it was the filming was oh, on, I didn't know that. yeah so the filming was off and on because they were trying to capture the seasons mm-hmm. um. But they all lived in, you know, during the time like her Fran, I think mm-hmm. David too. They were living; they were actually living in vans. It was the same thing for her first two movies. She was in South Dakota for years, mm-hmm. uh, living around the um, the reservation that she was shooting from. And so I think there's something about her immersion in that, and not just kind of trying to um, culture vulture it. Mm-hmm. That that makes that that when she speaks on it, she has a real. Um, knowledge yeah. and personal experience with the subject matter that she's, and that's what she was doing for her upcoming film, mm-hmm. The Eternals. She <laughs> shot into outer space for a couple her, of years.
0: Her and Richard Madden mm-hmm. lived on a star. Uh, it's a, yeah, a, they it, lived on a moon of Jupiter. Another, galaxy. and uh, it's pretty hot. It's so that's <laughs> going to be so weird. The whole Eternals
2: thing is going to be <laughs> so strange, especially because we haven't seen a damn thing from what that movie is. I'm like, dying. Not a character design, nothing. I have a feeling that it will, as soon as she wins Best Director, or maybe it's the day after the Oscars, they're going to drop something for that movie. So that, like. Is it going to be her Catwoman? (laughs) Let's hope not. I I definitely think Chloe Zhao has um, more refined directorial skills than (laughs) Pitoff. <laughs> but no, I, auditioned,
0: I, mean, I auditioned for the Eternals to play the gay Eternal. Didn't get it. Oh wow! Yeah,
1: I, you know what she said. What you? I, I I was listening to an interview with uh uh, uh Barry Jenkins was uh, doing an interview with her for Variety, and and he also just got some Marvel keys. I can I don't remember what the movie is that he's directing, but I'm pretty sure he got.
2: I don't he, know he if it's Marvel, Marvel but I know he's doing yeah. a
1: Lion King sequel for Disney. Hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe it's the Disney keys. And so they're kind of talking about doing these big budget movies. And she just talks about how what she's obsessed with is creating space, the space around things. And that's kind of what informs her projects. Mm-hmm. And then that, that was that aesthetic, the, the kind of, uh, uh you know, not narrative based, but, but building around it to kind of create the atmosphere and, and to create her ideas is that's what she's bringing to Marvel. So I'm I'm like okay, bring that. Mm-hmm. Like fill the fill all the fill all the you know uh, celestial beans mm-hmm. with God knows what kind of money. And I'm here for this.
2: Well, and the way she describes her Marvel experience is that she was kind of given free reign. It sounds like, or at least that's the way she kind of projects it. And maybe some of that is a lot of the people that have interviewed her coming to her with the expectation of like marvel is an assembly line you know and she seems to have really created the movie that she wants um with eternals and i think that only piques my curiosity more because we haven't seen anything from it because the idea of a chloe joe marvel movie it's like what is that um it could be anything
1: I just like look at the Eternals, um, like title or whatever, and I'm that's all I have. So I just try to break down what can I see, and then just the words "The Eternals." All we
2: have that's is the true. logo the and a million logo. photos of Kumail Nanjiani. Right. Yep.
0: I I mean, and thank you. All I know is so. that if Linda May is not playing one of the Eternals, I'm not going.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she should be the henchman to Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Talk about, I mean, I don't know how Linda May, I know that they did put all these actors up for they did submit them for the awards, but I mean, I and I know the Glenn Close Hive is gonna come for me, but Linda May is my supporting actress of the year. I'm just like so in awe of that performance, of the bravery of all of these people, like how personal it is. Swanky. She's,
1: swanky. Swanky. I'm being oh. swanky
0: swanky hive rise like that performance is so gorgeous
1: <laughs> do you know that i just heard that swanky actually had a little bit of acting credits before this she was like um she was like she did something in, an, in like a not like a natural history museum playing the captain's wife in fuck some yes, reenactments she did. fuck yeah, she but did chloe Zhao was like she actually has like a little credit to her and <laughs> i think she can do more to- like chloe Zhao was like i actually think swanky could be in some other pictures i was like yeah
0: <laughs> I was watching it for the second time I watched it. I was so... Because obviously Swanky is not dying, but that moment when she kind of collapses by her van and she gets her the water and she's starting to to tell Fern her symptoms and everything, I was like, fuck, this woman's amazing.
4: Mm -hmm. That's called red, white, and blue jasper. What's that? That's petrified palm wood. And that's part of the same rock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ouch. Um Careful That's arm. another one of the red, white, and blue. And uh, what's going on? What 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 I don't I don't feel very good. I got to hey.
5: Here. Sit down. Got it. Oh. What's going on? What My do you head need? hurts
4: really, really bad. I'm nauseated. Water out? <clears throat> water oh out. yeah.
5: Oh Oh, boy! Careful, (coughs) yarn. You all right? Uh Um, I, I
4: guess I'm all right. (coughs) You okay? Um, doctors told me that. Well, I had uh, cancer removed from my lung a while back, and a s- small cell carcinoma, and they told me it spread to my brain, and they've only given me seven or eight months to live.
5: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> yeah, that's
2: an incredible story. Um, and like, does remind you too, because like, yes, as you mentioned, Swanky is not dying, but um, I think there's a certain um. Level that people approach this movie, except for anything that isn't Francis McDormand. Well, it's like, oh well, this is nonfiction. You know, she's Chloe Chows just showing up with a camera and letting these people talk. And while there is mild truth to some of that, it is still something that is crafted and like she's building characters and she's capturing, you know, something that is not entirely. Um, like that, you know, it's not like she just plopped a camera down and happened upon yeah. these people. You know, they no. are Swanky is a character, Linda May is a character. Um, I
1: mean, Swanky has said she's like, This isn't, I'm she's like, besides not dying, which my husband did die of brain cancer. Um, besides that, this is 99% me. That monologue about mm-hmm. the bird that Swanky does, um, Chloe Zhao had heard, and so and Chloe Zhao said she heard. I heard um, Swinky talk about it, and that was her in. She said, Okay, there's my into to this character. And then she tried mm-hmm. to say, Then what can this
4: be the in for Fern? I'm going to take my trip. I'm going to go back to Alaska again because of some good memories and um, just do what I have to do. I have this book called Final Exit by Dr. Kevorkian. They call him, some people call him Dr. Death. And it's like various ways that you can end your life. If you need to, and uh, it's kind of like a recipe. <laughs> I have it if I have to fall back on it for some ideas, but I'm not, I'm not going to spend any more time indoors in a hospital. No thanks. I'm gonna be 75 this year, and I think I've lived a pretty good life. I've seen some really neat things, kayaking, all those places, and you know, like, like moose in the wild, a moose family on a river in Idaho, and um, big white pelicans landing just six feet over my kayak on a lake in Colorado, or um, um, come around a bend uh, with a cliff and find hundreds and hundreds of swallow nests on the on the wall of the cliff, and the swallows fall, flying all around, and Reflecting in the water, so it looks like I'm flying with the swallows, and they're under me and over me and all around me. And the little babies are hatching out, and eggshells are falling out of the nest, landing on the water, and floating on the water, these little white shells. It's like, it was just so awesome. I felt like I'd, I'd done enough. My life was complete. If I died right, right then, that moment, would be perfectly fine.
1: What does this then mean to Fern? You know, and that's, and that's because she spent so much time actually talking to these people. And, mm-hmm. and getting mm-hmm. to know these people. And so she, she took that monologue and then she said, okay, mm-hmm. now how can we shape, uh, shape this around Fern's story? Mm-hmm. Which, as we know, that's the first time that Fern kind of lets us into mm-hmm. what happened, the tragedy that happened that set her off kind of on this a nomadic journey.
5: Can I tell you something, Swanky? What? I've been thinking a lot about my husband, Bo. When it got really bad at the end, they had him in the hospital on morphine drip and I would sit there at night in the hospital and I'd want to put my thumb down on that morphine drip just a little bit longer so I could let him go. Maybe I should have tried harder so he could have gone sooner without all that pain.
4: Well, maybe he wouldn't have wanted that. Maybe he was trying to stay with you as long as he could. I'm sure you took good care of him, Vern.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, is the first moment when she talks about Beau, right? hmm Yeah. And it's, it's something so beautiful of uh, that I find so extraordinary about Frances McDormand's performance. And if anyone wants to, like, I'm sorry, I think she's one of the greatest film actors of all time. I know mean, that's not, like, mm-hmm. an incredibly controversial thing to say. But someone, <laughs> A, who is an actor... Who can do this next to non-actors or people basically playing themselves and still seem this authentic and this real and this true, mm-hmm. and can also craft something that can let us into the that she lets us become a nomad. The structure that Chloe Zhao has built of this woman who is just becoming a nomad, learning to be live this lifestyle, so that we can go into it and having a an artist of Fran's caliber craft that for us so that we have a way in so that we can connect to these real people. It's so brilliant mm-hmm. to me. And it's the first time Chloe Zhao has really done that have a, an expert actor join her band of non-professionals or first timers or whatever you want to call them, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and Fran, this was, do we say this? Fran brought this project to Chloe Zhao. She got the rights to mm-hmm. Nomadland and, um, and Chloe Zhao was, was kind of conceptualizing after the writer to do a, a traveling piece, but about young people. And so uh, Fran saw the writer, I think at Cannes. Uh,
2: right? Tiff, I believe, right? actually. Because she was, she was tiff, yeah. if I'm getting the tiffs right, it was the tiff that she would have been there for three billboards. So I assume when she had a break from press, she went and saw the writer and then immediately had to meet Chloe.
0: Mm. Taste, the taste. <laughs>
2: I just love the idea of Frances McDormand showing up randomly to a movie theater too. Mm Mm-hmm. Like what does does Fran just show up to see? She sees the writer.
0: Uh, Absolutely. I, uh, I mean, I see, I see Frances McDormand around the city. Sometimes I almost hit her once with my car. She was crossing West end Avenue and she had groceries and I stopped in time and she gave me a very, very serious look and continued walking. Um, But my other Fran (laughs) McDormand story is that I I keep a picture of Fran McDormand on my dressing room table Mm -hmm.
5: uh, of
0: any play I do. And uh, my friend Max Jenkins, we were doing a play together and he grew up friends with her kids. And so she came to the play and they went to dinner afterwards. And she said Max said to Fran, "Um, my friend Nick, who's in the play with me, he keeps a picture of you on his dressing room table. And she goes, that's fucking weird.
2: That's precisely probably how I would have expected her to respond. Um exactly. and you should probably be more flattered that she responds that way than she would be like touched that you did that, because if that was her response, you know that it's probably not true or something.
0: Exactly. I don't know.
2: I love one thing I will say I love about Frances McDormand and in, in this movie in particular is like I think she's gotten this kind of perception of being this. Not, If not curmudgeon, but kind of, you know, uh, a cousin to that. And I think there's an incredible amount of vulnerability in this performance that's there in the rest of her work, too. Um, But because we spend so much time with her, because she is giving something, like, internal and pulling us in with her, I think... um, it's just like this small note of evolution in how we perceive her as a performer that I find really mm. interesting at this stage in her career.
1: Well, it's a, her, 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 I think her, her, her big bag of tricks is the, is the hardness with the sadness. I mean, mm-hmm. I fucking hated Three Billboards, as Nick knows. It's like my, it's my enemy. It's my enemy in life. And I, and, but I think what, what I always noticed that they would do with her, which was what's her big thing is that they could, they could, um, they would do something funny. She would do, then all of a sudden, go right into the emotion of anger, and then transition to crying, and and I was like, well, yeah, that's what that's that's that is tr- uh, Fran's superpower
6: mm-hmm. is
1: mm-hmm. to is to glide through that like seamlessly and beautifully, and this is uh, this is uh she but she tamps down on that superpower. Do you know what I mean on this? Like, I feel like this is such a more subtle uh, part of that.
0: No? Well, because what the task that Chloe has given her is to fit in in this community, which is also Fern's task. Fern Mm -hmm. is figuring out how to fit in with these people, as is Fran, you know? And I always love that when the actor's job and the character's job are the same thing. It's so, it's really, really, really exciting.
2: Well, and I also think it's an interesting piece of collaboration because as much as, like, Chloe has talked about, it's her first time working with a professional actor, to me as a viewer, you know, her eye, her curiosity for her protagonist is not any different than her other movies. Like, you do kind of see a sense of trying to discover who this person is, like, go on a certain journey like uh, like you mentioned she's making a setting and she wants to see how that person exists or responds in that setting and while Frances is her like the performer we know her to be and like she's huge for chloe who usually does like non pros like you mentioned i i think it's like it pushes them both in a really interesting direction that's like we mentioned very subtle um,
1: and then the rollout of her journey is everything to me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you don't get, that you don't get that big uh, the big sets piece scene with her sister until almost the end of the film, mm. and which you really get to see how she reacts to someone that actually knows her, and then informs so many things of what you just saw, and how and how she is, and how she's chosen to be, and in what she's comfortable with being was just we're all just keep using the damn word it was genius on both parts
2: (laughs) well and it's also interesting too because we've gotten we've gone on this journey with fern and we've gone uh through some of her experiences that at that point when we in the audience are placed in a literal house it probably feels as strange for us as it might feel for fern or we can at least feel a part Mm -hmm. of how odd or uncomfortable it might be for her at that point
0: it's also where you get what Jason was talking about—that real classic Fran McDormand being a total bitch to people and it being very, very, very funny.
2: The Olive Kitteridges of uh, her resume, yes,
0: yes, yes, exactly. It's like the—that's uh, where—that's when I think her like grump phase
2: began was with Olive Kitteridge, right? Uh, some may say the finest moments of her career. Like one of the things that is amazing for Fran, but sucks for actresses of a certain age, like imagine we're going to lament the stage of actresses of a certain age and the material that they get is, like, Fran has kind of charted out this niche for herself and, like, a type that is, you know, for actresses her age, I think exciting. It sucks that, like, certain actresses can't get work or, like, if they do get a type, it is uh, bureaucrats, lawyers, um you know the those like that's what the is joan allen, allen lane right yes absolutely joan allen um sadly even kind of like sigourney weaver actually sigourney weaver's lane right now is sigourney weaver because she introduces herself <laughs> as herself in multiple movies at this point um but yeah i mean like we it's it's interesting to joke about because fran gives and gives and gives and of course we adore um with all of the like curmudgeonly stuff but it's also um rare to see an actress her age be able to get um you know the the type of roles that she does and be able to like have a noticeable type i guess Um, i mean i feel
1: i feel like but i feel like you know fran's fran's movie selection is just like critical acclaim i feel like that's her genre <laughs> i mean i'm not i mean you know maybe not madagascar 3 europe's most wanted <laughs> but other than oh and maybe not Tran- transformers dark of the moon well i'm just literally reading her <laughs> that's her role yeah yeah
2: <laughs> um, John allen's like i'm good um well i mean we do have her lady m coming up which is incredibly exciting i'm so excited is
0: she gonna denounce it because of scott rudin
2: Oh, I we'll, don't know. We'll bring it there, babe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the film community has babe. not said yeah, they're being hushed hush. yet. And yeah, it sucks. Um,
0: I mean, I'm so excited for her, Lady M. I think that's gonna be fucking brilliant. I'm, I, am i am a huge fan of her stage work. I've seen her perform at the Wooster Group a bunch of times, and it's incredible
1: is her thing kind of like the she like she i mean she's so close to meryl's age she'd be like she's the meryl of this generation is absolutely the most ridiculous statement ever (laughs) but
2: (laughs) i can't
0: i can't think of two actresses more different than Frances mcdormand and meryl streep at least to me but
2: yeah and much as i don't want to uh shit on meryl in any way i think this stage of Frances McDormand's career is far more interesting than the work that Meryl is doing by and large.
1: How do we think this, uh, this performance rates amongst Fran's best? What are we, what are we feeling here?
0: <sighs> I mean, it's up there for me. It really is up there for me. I mean, everything we were talking about before with how internal it is and how just, it feels like she's really revealing her whole soul to us in a way that mm-hmm. she kind of never has. Fran is such a master of genre and tone you know and i think that comes with her partnership with the cohen's for so long and uh, this is something completely different it's like um, a bolt out of the blue for me
2: yeah it, it it's i feel like it's tough for me to say because like there are those notes that are familiar in the things that we've seen from francis mcdormand but there's also things that uh like you said nick are this whole other thing, and like Francis McDormand's well always runs deep, but it feels like a different well this time, right? Like, mm. and I well, think it's that a goes Chloe Zhao well. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, I think it's a Chloe Zhao well in which Fran doesn't have to have to act her pants off in mm-hmm. this, and in fact, Chloe Zhao obviously um, uh, works against that. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and and so there is. Because as much as I love Fran, I don't know I'd be like, oh, she's the, a naturalistic performer. I think she's an actor with a capital A. I yeah. think she is giving me the juice. Mm-hmm. I think she is giving me the scenes. And it was nice to kind of see her not have to... There's a couple of moments where I thought maybe she was going to start kind of bleeding into that kind of actor thing. But they kept pulling it back. Mm-hmm. You know, they kept mm-hmm. kind of minimizing that and... And always, you know, we say this on the the podcast, one of our favorite things, they keep taking the the road least traveled or or least expected on, you know, on this nomadic journey.
0: There's a a moment really early on when Chloe Zhao does this that I love. Like, I think so many actors who have tried to become screenwriters have read this book called Save the Cat. Do you both know this book? (laughs) I do. Jay, do you know it? No. It's this screenwriting book that uh, has this thesis that you have to do this thing early in a screenplay where your lead character has to save the cat, which is some redeeming thing they do that makes you love them or makes you know that they're not all bad or not what you think they are. And there's a moment early on in Nomadland when Fran finds this dog and she takes it to the- um, I love this. The camper, uh, the lady who runs the camper park, who is completely iconic. And she's like,
5: Carl had a stroke. Is he dead? No, no, no. His daughter came and took him back east. Oh, Uh, yeah. But they didn't take the dog. They they couldn't take him. Would you like to have him? Uh, He's really a good dog. He's real friendly. No. Okay, so you are leaving on Thursday, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just finished Amazon yesterday. Okay, Amazon pays through Thursday. And then, after that, it's $375 a Well, uh, is there a discount if, if I don't use the electric and dump? Because I just have my van, you know. No, but since you're in a van, it's easy for you to move and to go south to a warmer place. Yeah, well, I wanted to get a job around here first. Uh, good luck with that.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's
5: tough. Bye, Patty. Bye, Fern. We'll see you next year. Bye,
0: and then she walks out of the, the office and the dog is looking at her and she looks at the dog and walks away and then Chloe Zhao stays on the dog and you think she's going to come back and get it and she doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Babe, that was my first note. My first note was, I love that she did not take that fucking doll. Yes. I like- was <laughs> so happy. I was like, yes, this is not going to be about her going on the road with her with her canine best friend. No. Hallelujah.
0: <laughs> like, And it's Chloe Zhao telling you like, oh, I know what you want and I'm not going to give it to you. Like, get ready for something else. Get ready for something a little more difficult to fathom. It's the same way. And I know that this is a big controversy right now. Like the... This or people are trying to make a controversy around the politics of Amazon in this movie. Mm -hmm. But like Chloe Zhao is like, look, I'm not here to debate Amazon. I'm here to like put my camera as close to the face of its workers as anyone has ever possibly done and then distribute that as far and wide across the world
2: as humanly imaginable. And I'm like- There is something about Chloe's work too that does, I don't want to say like- takes it for granted that the audience already um, can see her intentions or um, uh, takes for granted that they might see something the way that she does because like I I forget what the interview was I remembered one where she talks specifically that this is a movie that deals with elder care oh yeah the quote
0: the quote is yeah if you look deeply the issue of elder care as a casualty of capitalism is on every frame
2: absolutely and i absolutely believe that but i don't think she's the type of filmmaker who's going to spoon feed it for you Mm -hmm. um yes and i i definitely think that it's and she might have said this separately um a lot of the conditions that these people go through, while she's non judgmental to them, especially non judgmental to the people who do want to live their lives this way, the idea is that, well, why should Fern have to go work at Amazon? Why should anybody have? anybody in her circumstance have to do that why should that be the better alternative for them so that they can survive and i think that's the expectation that she has the audience to meet them at and i do think that's intrinsic to what she's doing in the movie Mm. um but i think you know she this is what one of the things that i think makes her great is that you can actually interact with the idea because she's not giving you a prescribed thought it's like coming alive in the actual narrative and circumstances Mm -hmm. you just have to actually think about the full context you have to do the you have
0: to do some work as an audience member and engage with the piece of art and she's not yeah she's not gonna fucking green book you she's not gonna give you a second of that bullshit
1: (laughs) but i also think like her work isn't about lessons Mm-hmm. her work yes. isn't about like i'm going to teach you something that you're going to come out of the other end feeling a feeling a certain way with, and and understanding a certain point of view i'm i'm going to say this is this is kind of how these people this is how these people live. And I'm going to give you gorgeous imagery and I'm going to uh, give you some really uh, moving moments. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to show you that, yeah, these, these nomadic people on the road, these are the jobs that they take. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, I'm not celebrating the fact that these people have to be on the road and work at Amazon. That's what this lifestyle lends itself to.
2: I think She's also a filmmaker who is self-aware on a certain way of like, she approaches things with a curiosity that are not necessarily her ex- her lived experience. And like there is a danger there that her subjects of all of her movies could be exploitive. And I've had conversations with people who think some of her other movies are exploitive. But I think there is a generosity and I do think that curiosity is really on the screen. Um, that avoids those type of things.
0: I also love, I read about, I was reading about this, that Chloe Zhao gives profit participation to all of her actors. Mm-hmm. And, and that includes all of the nomads in this movie. And I just think it's so beautiful. Like her first movie didn't make enough money to actually let, uh, to pay any to give that money out. But she does pay all of these people and gives them the opportunity that if the movie makes a lot of money, they can make more money. And there are so few filmmakers who do that or even come Mm -hmm. close to that. When Bob Wells gives that beautiful speech in the film, spoiler alert, um, (laughs) about his son committing suicide, I read that Fran McDormand up to that point, Bob Wells didn't know that Francis McDormand was a famous actor.
1: Neither did neither did Swanky. She she had no idea who Fran was.
0: Yeah. And that after after Bob Wells said that beautiful thing to to Fern, Francis McDormand felt compelled to actually say, um, just so you know my husband wasn't really Bo, my you know, and explain who she is. Because she there is that moment of like, did I exploit an intimacy? I imagine mm-hmm. there was, you know. It's so intimate.
3: I can relate. Um, I, I rarely ever talk about my son, but uh, today would be today would be his 33rd birthday, and five years ago he took his life. <laughs> and I can still barely say that in a sentence. and and for a long time every day was uh, <clears throat> the question was how can I be alive on this earth when he's not and I didn't have an answer and those were some hard hard days but <clears throat> I realized that I could honor him by uh, helping people and serving people. It gives me a reason to go through the day. (laughs) Some days that's all I've got. And out here, there's a lot of people our age and inevitably there's grief and loss. And a lot of them don't get over it either. And that's okay. That's okay. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. You know, I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. I always just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. And I do. And uh, whether it's a month or a year or sometimes years, I see them again. And I can look down the road, and I can be certain in my heart that I'll see my son again. You'll see Bo again. And you can remember your lives together then.
1: Chloe Zhao has this quote You build a culture through how you treat people, and then you gain their trust that way. Mm. And I love that. I think it, it shows on that. The the drifter Derek, the, oh, the poet yeah. of train riding, mm-hmm. uh, she. Because, 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 uh, because Nomad Nomadland was based on a book, and so some of the the uh, uh, the people from that book, like Swanky uh, and Bob Wells, are in the movie, and then some people she found. Derek was one of the people that. I'm not sure how she got, but but he they met up and they discussed it and then they shot his scenes and then he joined their art department for the rest any of the stuff.
5: shoot and traveled no, don't with need them. I don't need any of it, I'm good. Uh,
1: you know, so it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of this collaborative family involvement that creates this intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but just going back to the things that she withheld, oh my goodness, did I not want to be withheld that David Strauss, Aaron, sex scene. What <laughs> uh, he, That man takes my breath away. I think the mm. last time we saw, I mean, he takes my, I mean, last time we saw him. Home for the, was the holidays. The, was he at home for, oh, he was. Yes. Okay, Okay, bitch, but I was talking about Passion Fish
2: because oh. that's when he was—that's when he was in his young. Oh, you, oh, it's fabulous!
0: You've never seen Passion Fish?
2: I haven't. Listen, <gasps> I'm catching up on a lot of like Oscar stuff from the '80s, or I, I'm oh. finally done, and I haven't been watching the good shit because the good shit didn't win. <laughs> it's a bunch of bad movies when you're watching yeah, right. '80s Oscar wins. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. it's
1: well, such a
0: beautiful film, and he brings the passion to my fish every time, David Strathairn. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh my goodness. But, but I, but I love that constantly with, with withholding and then, and also that withholding builds the narrative for, for Fern's truth. You know, Mm -hmm. if there's any lesson to me, like it goes back to what I first said about, about choice, about the choices we make uh, to try and live the most authentic and full life. It Mm -hmm. seems to be about the reaffirming about making those choices you know there's the first scene with bob wells where he kind of talks about how we are we're, we're roadies because we're anti-capitalist and kind of goes into the
3: screed. And, and the odd thing is that we we not only accept the tyranny of the dollar the tyranny of the marketplace we embrace it uh we gladly throw the yoke of the tyranny of the dollar on and live by it our whole lives I think of an analogy as a workhorse. The workhorse that is willing to work itself to death and then be put out to pasture. And that's what happens to so many of us. If society was throwing us away and sending us the workhorse out to the pasture, we workhorses had to gather together and take care of each other. And that's what this is all about. The way I see it is that the Titanic is sinking and uh, economic times are changing. And so my goal is to get the lifeboats out and get as many people into the lifeboats as i can oh.
1: and for a second i was like oh is this is, is this the pitch you know right. is this going to be the trajectory of this film to show how wrong everyone else is in in their uh you know tiny little cookie cutter houses and and then she decides to wham us with the sister scene, with this iconic sister scene in which you kind of do a flip on that, in which your sister says, the cost of your choice has left me with a hole inside myself.
6: You yeah. know, we're not as interesting as the people you meet that's out there. That's
1: what I'm talking about.
6: No, that's what it is. It's always what's out there that's more interesting. You left home as soon as you could. You married Beau after just knowing him a few months. And then you moved to the middle of nowhere with him. And then even after Bo passed away, you still stayed in Empire. I just didn't get it. I, I mean, you, you could have left. Yeah.
5: See, that's why I can't come here.
6: I never said this to you before and maybe I should have. You know, when you were grown up, you were eccentric to other people you maybe seemed weird but it was it was just because you were braver and more honest than everybody else and and you could see me when i was hiding from everybody and sometimes you could see me before i saw myself i needed that in my life and you're my sister I would have loved having you around all these years. You left a big hole by leaving.
5: That one's on me. Mm-hmm.
4: And
1: so you're ba- so you get that balancing, you know, that comes up. That.
2: That's- that's another scene that, for me too, that like makes the thesis of the movie be all about the tension between needing community and needing to be alone, and like how the movie just like lives in that space. And like, um, I love the the whole sequence uh, with her sister um, recontextualizes like the whole movie, it, in everything. A beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Everything, awesome. everything. I love the
0: little. Everything. I love the little moments of Fran, of Fern's selfishness in terms of like having only been looking out for herself, just in how she demands the two slices of cheese on that burger. All right. Ooh, that
5: looks good. Mm-hmm. I want that one. All right,
6: that's
0: yours.
5: That Double your name
0: cheese,
5: on it. please. You want cheese? You want two slices, please. Okay.
0: Like, she's like, I want the, no, two slices. She says it like three times that she wants two slices Mm -hmm. of cheese. And it also shows like her relationship with her brother-in-law that she doesn't quite trust him, but she needs, she knows how to articulate exactly what she
2: needs in that moment. Mm -hmm. And she
0: also makes herself a sly little vodka in that scene, which I was appreciative of
2: the uh layers of compromise she's making a grand compromise by being even there so Mm -hmm. much so that the rest of the compromises are not going to happen
0: (laughs) right right oh man
2: (sighs) one of the main kind of
1: or my favorite thing to watch on hashtag van life youtube videos is when they redo their van and put mm-hmm. in their look and, the, and they get really happy that they have like a cork board and that this thing is a table and then a bed and then a dog bed and then a this and then a that and i i i, I love that she's captured that she's able to actually authentically capture those small moments because mm-hmm. what
2: does fern make in the like door of the van she makes or the tape she makes herself a table right? she makes
0: herself a little table that comes down yeah
2: where yeah. she can cut like little food
0: also the best use of a plate since rachel getting married
2: <laughs> oh my god oh my god like absolutely
0: i mean that plate a j frances mcdormand reminds me of your mom a lot mm-hmm. but swanky also reminded me of your mom but Every every older woman every reminds me of your mom. Jay <laughs> like, who has kindness in their heart reminds me of your mother. Um, her name's like Michelle, but we call her Old Scheller. Old Scheller, absolutely. But that plate, she is
2: every old woman. They're all in her.
0: <laughs> they're all in her, absolutely. But when David Strathairn breaks that fucking plate,
6: worry about this. Fern, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't know.
5: It. Go over there. You don't have to shout. Okay? Stay over there.
2: I'm going.
0: It isn't this like uh, I, I break
2: something in the movie because that's at the point where when that plate breaks, we know what it means for Fern, but then we le- that's the point of the movie where we start to slowly learn little pieces more and more
0: yeah more and more about her life and until we eventually right get to the part where she says Bo never
5: knew his parents and we never had kids if I didn't stay if I left it would be like he never existed I couldn't pack up and move on he loved Empire he loved his work so much he loved being there everybody loved him So I stayed. Same town, same house. It's like my dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering Bob. (laughs) You know what I mean? that
0: she spent too much of her life remembering, right? Mm-hmm. When she confesses that to Bob Wells. Like, and it's all LinkedIn and the way Chloe Zhao just does it so delicately, it's like as delicate as a old yard sale plate that you've glued back together this movie, you know?
1: And it it keeps, Mm. and it's, like I said, yeah, it's not, it's not this like straight line parable. It's just, it's a prism that you keep kind of looking at the different refractions of it all, you know, and, and at some point you think she is this like fierce independent person. But then the more you know about her trauma and the idea that she's not just that she's possibly running away from certain connection, but also living, but by that running away, she's also still living in the past and holding on to, uh, and this is a way to kind of freeze in time and hold on to these memories and not grow you know so like that's the thing you I, I, you know when I watch a Chloe Zhao film I walk away just being full my very first experience is that I feel full and then I have to kind of break down what that means you know and, mm. and kind of uh parse out the, the the experience or the things I've seen. But but no matter what, it's 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 a filling. It's a filling station. I'm at that gas pump and I'm uh my my van, Alicia Moore is fully charged uh with a bunch of ideas.
0: Listen, when I park my van Shelly Winters at a gas station, <laughs> I need that lady <laughs> from this gas station to come out. You know that that diva, you lady? should Diva you should know who wants her to go to the church. Yes, she was amazing. Yeah.
5: Hi. Hi. I'm Rachel. I'm the manager here at Fox Peak. Hi, I'm Fern. Hi, Fern. Um, I asked someone and they said I could park here overnight. Oh, you're fine. You're more than welcome. But you know, it's the temperature's going to drop. It's it really cold here at night. Yeah, I know. Really cold. I can tell. Yeah. I don't want to overstep my bounds here. There is a church down by 7-Eleven. It's a Baptist church and they do have open beds. I'm going to be good. Okay. Okay. We're here if you need anything.
2: Thank you. I'm, uh, I I was glad that that movie, that scene shows up in the movie, too, because that was my expectation for for what they, the type of people they would meet along the way the whole time, that, like, these... My, and my fear too because like these people want to live independently when they live in these van camps that like they would be descended upon by churches or something
0: oh um, right people trying to like save that. Them.
2: that scene is very smartly positioned gets it out of the way early in the movie um, not that that character is necessarily doing anything wrong but uh, I was afraid of proprietary uh, behaviors
0: I also love the little teeny scene when the man looks in her uh, window.
2: Oh,
5: Jesus.
3: Overnight parking. You can't sleep here.
5: I'm leaving. I'm leaving.
0: It and she of, freaks out. And she mm-hmm. freaks out. It kind of got, like, there wasn't a lot of the specter of violence against her in the movie. Though I do expect that that is something that uh nomadic people experience a lot or houseless people experience a lot but it did give me that real real genuine fear for her safety
4: mm-hmm.
1: what a what a wonderful and i'm i mean you know god there's a thousand thing pieces on this but you're over y'all over here at for the girls right now so here's our bullshit but what a wonderful <laughs> time to be uh experiencing this kind of movie with this kind of alternative you know lifestyle and living at this exact time. Obviously this mm-hmm. movie was shot like two years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there was, there was no plan that we were going to be going through a year long <laughs> once in this lifetime pandemic. And <laughs> then to have this at this moment when nothing feels sure. And that's what, but you know, and, and a lot of what Bob Wells predicts is that this is, I think there was, you know, uh, who's, who's our other diva besides swanky. What's her anime. Linda, Linda May, May. <laughs> and uh, Linda May was uh, Linda May was saying that uh, when she first started going to you know where, that big gathering, there was five hundred, and when she stopped because she's not actually on the road anymore, I think she built a house in two thousand and fourteen. Um, but when she stopped, there was up to five thousand, and that was in two thousand and fourteen. Mm. And how much that's growing, and how much that continues to grow, and how much that has uh, been predicted by Bob of just being like. There is no there's been no certainty, you know and especially after two thousand and nine there is no certainty there uh there is no trust that you're gonna work for a job and that then they will take care of you in your elderly life. That has proven to not mm-hmm. be true. um you aren't going to be able to possibly continue to exist uh and and that's what Bob said he got divorced and he couldn't afford rent and so then he chose a van da 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 and so there's just just that just the just the moment of all this is it blows my mind.
0: I know it's, Mm -hmm. it's an incredible movie to have at this time. And it's, it's like parasite last year. Like there's this sense of inevitability as we come up to the Oscars, because it's so perfectly fits with the time that we're in that I kind of can't imagine it going to anyone else. Can you Chris?
2: Oh no. I mean, uh, the way, as far as best picture is concerned, like best picture is voted on in a, different way than the rest of the oscars are it's the preferential ballot if you guys have heard about it or listeners aren't familiar um on an oscar ballot you just pick the winner right for these other categories best picture is what they call a preferential ballot where you basically rank your options um and a lot of movies can be seen as having a leg up not just if they're getting a lot of first place votes but second and third and Uh, movies can be hurt by being put by a lot of people's last place movie I can imagine a certain type of academy voter that thinks that Nomadland is slow or boring or quiet or nothing happens and uh, obviously they would be wrong but if there's anything that prevents it it might be that type of voter Um, but I still think it'll be Smooth sailing to winning best picture, to be and, honest.
0: And what do you think? What are your fran odds? Yeah, we have the Oscar expert here for you all.
2: Oh, I mean, well, I mean no, this uh, is so sure. Good.
0: Um,
2: I don't know. <laughs> Everything he
0: says I, is
1: gonna be true, you all. So, like, that's that's no pressure. I mean,
2: a lot, yes, entirely true. I am from the future. Um I uh yes, all of that. Um If this was an actual year that was not a pandemic and the variety that's been going down in Best Actress uh, was still happening... Everybody would be losing their minds because all of the big award shows, the Globe, SAG, BAFTA have gone to different performers at yeah. every award ceremony that never happens. And it's like it's such a it's like the one relief of this award season is that that has happened because in the past few years, it's been basically across the board the same performers winning at every single show and it gets very boring and very expected by the time the oscar ceremony happens
0: unless you get your big coleman surprise
2: uh well i mean she won bafta and she'd won a globe um
0: oh right because they put it in comedy at the globes
2: Yes, right. Um love that movie, love that performance. But don't you think um, that was a supporting
0: performance yeah, and lead? Yeah, see that's that's
2: where it no, just gets me... it's just No, I think way, it's a lead. I think No, way, Jose. It's, it's no, called based the on The text of that movie, that movie is all about Anne and Abigail and like by design it is shoving out Sarah. Um I think it's ultimately a movie about what those two women want.
1: I love I love calling them by their first names. I love <laughs> call, call me by my favorite's first names, please. Well, uh, yeah, I don't I, I know. Ju- I just any of the rewatched you- that
2: for um another podcast. Um and I also just rewatched that because that's another movie that's like so much uh a that is uh very calming and soothing <laughs> to me
1: um could you can we just put on something with boils please please i just need like i just need to chill and i need something, something where
0: rats are going to eat the flesh off of somebody at the end credits
2: <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing i think francis mcdormand is definitely getting a third oscar this year it just might yeah. not be in best actress Whoa, okay. um he, who, hard to... who could take it I mean kind Carey. of anybody but Vanessa Kirby um ooh that movie ooh. I hated that movie I, hate, I don't even necessarily love the performance though I get what other people like about it when they um, made
0: when they made poor Ellen burst into that Holocaust monologue all of a sudden, I was like, <laughs> what is happening here
2: yeah, truly fuck that movie um <laughs> uh well, okay, so Andrew Day also won the globe rosamund mm-hmm. pike won the comedy globe she's not even nominated and that was like a <laughs> shocking win for a movie that's basically a kick-ass movie um oh wow
1: that's a controversial pick uh y- y-
2: yeah that's no not kick-ass as in it's good as oh, in it, okay. is, it exists in the kick-ass cinematic universe <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, baby okay, driver was like, kick-ass wow, you're the first person to, right.
1: see, to call that movie okay yes, yes
2: yes, yes no yes, no yes. that movie's not good um Andra Day has, I think the thing that people are underestimating, she's my, probably my favorite of them, even though the a favorite performance, even though a lot of people don't like the movie, I think the movie's fine. It has its problems, but she's incredible. She is incredible um, in it. People are, I think, underestimating the fact that she is playing a famous person, famous musician and Oscar really grows for that. And it's a good performance. And the movie does really hinge on her. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if she does win. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. I mean, there's a lot of heat around promising young woman. She won Critics' Choice, which Critics' Choice is the largest voting body. Otherwise, I, and well, she wasn't nominated for BAFTA, so BAFTA doesn't matter if it's as big. And so, like, you could see because Oscar is also a large voting group. There are about ten thousand people. Um, you could see her as building a certain level of consensus. Um, but viola won that sag and viola won sag and viola is a fucking movie star and um i don't think well viola's also getting like magazine covers right now and right there's a lot of press around her. i mean so it would kind of difficult. be
0: iconic for her to win lead in a supporting role when she already won a supporting actress oscar for a lead role
2: um well i don't i don't think (laughs) mom randy's necessarily supporting i don't get too caught up in some of these but like i can see people saying either way on this one but i more so would kind of really love to see her win a because i love viola davis me too um I'm not one of those people that thinks that a supporting Oscar isn't a real Oscar. Um, I usually hate that type of thinking. Um, because like she, she earned that Oscar for offenses just because it's supporting doesn't mean she doesn't have an Oscar. Oh, totally. Um, I mean, Chadwick Boseman is in all likelihood going to win and I would love to see a his and hers Oscar in lead again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's France
1: to win. I think it's. I mean, for me, it's like justice. uh, You know, for Fran, for me, and I can erase (laughs) the the hives I get from thinking about billboards and threes. Um, (laughs) And I thing
2: that I think is working against Francis though is that even though we've said all these amazing things about her work and her performance in this movie, the star of the movie is Chloe Zhao. True. True. And And Linda May. the story, yeah, and Linda May, obviously, <laughs> um, and uh, David Strathairn's Scruff, also. Mm. Oh, oh, I doubt, oh, don't, I uh, don't. But um, and Francis hasn't really done that much press and publicity. Like, if she does win, it truly is because that is the performance they loved the most, and they loved the movie. Um, whereas, like, she's nominated against other people who aren't in. Uh, Movies that are nominated for Best Picture other than Carrie Mulligan. Um, so right, it's hard right. to say. I, I love that there are cases to be made for everyone um, except for Vanessa Kirby. Though at this rate, if everybody's won, so, someone different has won everywhere. Vanessa Kirby. Maybe it's her turn. Um, but yeah, it's just really exciting that it could be um that there's actual competition this year it is
0: really exciting and
2: girls you
1: heard it here you heard it here you heard the predictions as we said chris is (laughs) god and
2: (laughs) um from your mouth to hopefully my bank account (laughs) you're definitely our
0: favorite oscar prognosticator don't tell joe reed
2: uh he he's probably better at it than me so i will i will run with that in the pool yeah. who
1: normally wa- who normally wins when you're do y'all have a betting game are you betting girls
2: i'm usually better at calling the thing that nobody else calls like i will not stop saying that uh, i predicted spotlight when maybe two other people were predicting spotlight at that time um but um yeah, I'm usually better at a, a left-field call. I will say, in the fall, I was very gung-ho that Viola Davis was going to win before people had even saw the movie. Um, but I, I i my feeling kind of changes every day. At this very moment, I wonder if the visibility of Carrie Mulligan being on SNL might help her a lot. Um, and that movie seems to be gaining momentum again, in a way, that she might be... But My then, momentary pick.
0: Don't forget that this podcast, which is the biggest diva podcast internationally, <laughs> is coming out just six days before the ceremony. So, you know, this could swing it back to Nomadland.
2: Right in the thick of voting, too. Voting hasn't even opened from the time that we're recording. That is, is why we
0: did this. We are the Chloe Zhao hive, and we're going to yeah. make it happen for our girls, Chloe and Fran. <laughs> and, and, and,
1: and you know what? I, you know... Uh, whatever happens I'm on I'm on Choo Choo I'm on the Chloe Zhao train Um, give her all the gifts eternally Uh, give Mm -hmm. her an eternal gift to let her eternally make (laughs) like a hundred more of her passion projects. Um, I'm so glad that we have this
0: experience. I'm so glad that Chris, you came onto our podcast. Will you stay a, a little bit and come over and meet our Patreons? Oh my God,
1: absolutely. <laughs> Chris, you've
0: been such a doll with us. I've had so much fun. We love you and we love everyone. Oh
1: wait, can I go out on a quote, babe? Can I go out on, please, on, on a I was hoping quote, you had please. a quote
0: to go I've out on. I've got a
1: swanky quote. I've got a swanky quote. I don't know if we said this. Y'all go and see this movie. Um, if you're vaccinated, if you feel safe, it is, you know... Uh, you probably noticed we haven't put in many clips. There isn't that many clips. This is a very uh, this is a movie that you experience uh, with other, you know with more than your ears. You experience them with your eyes. It's a it's a sensory overload. Um, go in and get swept away. Uh, and here is a here is but but here is a real swanky quote to, to to close it out. I'm just a lone old granny desert rat loving my life every day. <laughs> and that's about all you need to know about this movie. And oh about, my this God, ex- about this episode that we just iconically taped. And we love you, Battle Angels. Chris, thank you so much. A
2: pleasure. A genuine
0: pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. Everyone, come over and meet us on the Patreon. We'll be there. Patreon.com uh, wwwpatreoncom front slash for the girls podcast. We love you. Okay, okay, battle angels. Until next time. Bye, babies. And we'll see you down the road.
1: Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.
6: Hey, hey, how about a drink? How about a toast to our friends? Not the friends you're going to see every day, no. Instead, we're going to drink to the friends who had to go away. I bet you know just who I mean. The friends who had to depart. The friends in our heart. You hear the blues in my boogie? Can you see the blood in my beer? Just help me laugh at pain Help me smile away the tears